the robots are coming. Welcome to the Building Management Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. Today, we're talking about unmanned security solutions with Stacey Stevens of Nightscope, Silicon Valley-based creator of fully autonomous security robots. Stacey, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to start off by just asking you to explain what Nightscope does. It's a great question. The the short of it is that Nightscope is a security technology company. We are developing technology specifically for use in making your places of business, the places you visit from a retail standpoint, shopping centers, hospitals, uh, anything like that, safer. And we do so using security robots. So these security robots, I'm going to say it, it, they're the Robocops. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I I will draw a very distinct line between Hollywood and TV dramas and reality. Right. Uh, I think everybody has the notion that these are the types of robots that you do see in Star Wars or Star Trek or even Robocop, as you described. Uh, But uh, the capabilities are quite tremendous. But I think we're still many, many years away from seeing anything that is anything remotely like what you see on TV. (laughs) Yeah, we're not exactly in this Robocop territory. I mean, these are basically very friendly robots. And I guess as I understand it or well, actually... Will you explain how the robots work? Well, I think you started to say it very, very well. They are very friendly robots, meaning you can interact with them. And a quick look on any type of social media and you just do security robots, you'll see thousands and thousands of images of people who have done so. The robot selfie has become a thing. But they're just an autonomous platform used to, to give Uh, security providers a much better situational awareness of their surroundings. So if you can imagine, uh, let's just use a shopping center, for example, Uh, you have a few security guards that are walking around a shopping mall, but uh, in order for them to be in the parking lot and inside uh, and everywhere else, you you have to have more people. And unfortunately, uh, you know, security is one of those things where it's one of the first things to get cut because it doesn't generate revenue. So if you can figure out a way to give robots those boring and monotonous and routine type of activities and let the humans do the strategic and hands-on and, and interaction with between people and more the uh, service type of behaviors, then the two of them working together become a very, very powerful force. Within specifically shopping malls, so the robots have the ability to roam autonomously throughout the different corridors and floors of the of the shopping mall. Tell me what the uh, primary purpose for that robot. Is it information? Is it you know, security camera coverage, or, or what are some of the possible uses? Well, we, we've all been sitting around our TVs at night and seeing the news reports where you have somebody who's committed a crime, and they go and look at the video coverage, and what are you always looking at in that video coverage? You're looking at the top of somebody's head, hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, one of the benefits of having the robot is the surveillance footage is eye level. Oh. So having the, that eye level footage of being able to see, okay, here's the bad guy, here's the bad guy's face, uh, that's one thing. Two, the presence. I mean, you have this incredible piece of machinery uh, that can also be, you know, I mentioned earlier that this is, it's one of those things that doesn't get, give a lot of people a return on their investment. 
Well, a robot that may be branded and is done so in a way that's going to uh, improve the appearance of that particular mall or shopping center or any even corporate campuses and so forth, uh, that's something that's going to give them a little bit better return on their investment. And it's going to get people looking. Uh, this type of technology gets people's attention very, very easily. Uh, the outdoor version is five and a half feet tall, three feet wide, and weighs about 400 pounds. The indoor version is about four and a half feet tall, two feet wide, and weighs about 340 pounds. So they are, they are quite significant in their presence. And the one thing that, that bad people don't like is people's heads on a swivel. If you're looking around and your head is up, you're paying attention to what's going on around you, and therefore you're, you have a much greater probability of being able to be a good witness. Well, in today's connected society, where are everybody's eyes on a regular basis? They're in their phone. So if you're walking through a mall and you see this robot, it's going to jar you out of your phone and get you looking around. So having that physical presence, the uh, the better set of eyes on actual face level, and then being able to gather other intelligence for the security professionals so it gives them a better uh, situational awareness and you have some actionable intelligence in the case of some kind of event taking place. Right. Well, so I want to go into some of the uh, the actual logistics and what the, the technical um, capabilities and limitations of the indoor and outdoor robots are. But I'm curious, so I know that you're a former police officer. And so when you say that the difference between this and a security camera is that instead of being above getting a very grainy shot of a suspect's head, now you've got an eye level photograph. That's something that's that's pretty revolutionary in police enforcement, right? Absolutely. Uh, we, we've had numerous great successes, one of which, you know, is, is that exact same scenario where we had uh, some guys come in and did a uh, smash and grab in a retail environment, which is, which is essentially somebody coming into the building, they grab a whole bunch of stuff really fast and then run out as quickly as they came in. And the robot provides provided eye-level video coverage that was instrumental in identifying the people who committed the crime. And that is, I mean, that's incredible footage to have, especially when you get to the point where you're prosecuting and you have uh, this great high definition, uh, and in some cases, 4K video that, yeah, that can be used as evidence. Oh, wow. So that's certainly a, a huge improvement. And, and it's making the the jobs easier for security offices. So for those security officers, uh, I understand that the robots help in terms of analytics where they they maybe know like they know a status quo of how things should be and so if they see something out of the ordinary or i guess the technical term an anomaly they're able to what to alert the people back at the at the security team yeah so uh, let's take you know our group of our particular audience that we're talking to today uh, building managers. If you put this robot in a situation where uh, you're watching over a building or a corporate campus or uh, some some type of facility, uh, and you have uh, maybe two different scenarios, one being the normal ebb and flow of people coming into the environment uh, is very time-based. So uh, think of a corporate campus where people are coming from 6 a.m. until 6 p.m., for example. Anything outside of those hours, the robot has the capability of saying, okay, uh, during the hours of 7 p.m. to 5 a.m., there shouldn't be anybody here. 
and it's going to send a red flag saying, hey, I just detected that there's a person in this area. You may want to know about it. it may be benign. It may be something that you want to know about. But at least it's just providing, again, that, that additional set of intelligence. Uh, now let's take the second scenario. Uh, you have a very secure uh, portion of your facility. And let's, uh, let's think about a loading dock. Uh, the loading dock, uh, you, the only people who are authorized to go there, or even a data center, that's even a better example. Uh, the only, you have a very finite group of people who are authorized to be there. Uh, and you want to know anytime anybody goes in that area. Uh, then you can have the robot say, okay, this is a restricted area. We provide a geofence, meaning we have drawn lines uh, around the area saying, if anybody breaches this perimeter, we want to know about it immediately. And then you can get notified of that. And we can do the same thing for vehicles because we have license plate recognition uh, or even mobile devices. So, again, think of that data center where you have a finite group of people who are coming there. You whitelist the phones that are supposed to be there. And if somebody comes in with a rogue router or they have a, an additional mobile device and they're attempting to circumvent the securities of that particular area, uh, we can send an alert for that. And you're right. I mean, in, in data centers, especially, uh, there is usually very tight security, but that does take a lot of a lot of manpower and um, a lot of technology. So let's talk about the specific technology that the robots use. So for one, you, you mentioned the cameras. So these are high def, if not 4k cameras that are recording. Are these the types that are looping? Or does this all this data stay back in the cloud? So each robot is generating in total about 90 terabytes of data per year. Wow. Uh, so just uh, think about that for a minute. That's a, an incredible amount of data. The, the typical security practitioner is only going to store data for so long, uh, and then they're going to allow it to fall off. So there are other, uh, when I say typical, there are atypical people who, uh, because of their industry, they may want to hang on to that data for an infinite amount of time. Mm -hmm. uh, but essentially what's happening is the robot is recording constantly. So 24-7, 365, it's recording. And then depending on the end user, they may choose to allow that data to fall off and then we begin re uh, recording over that data after 30 days, 60 days, or, or longer. Uh, but it's going to be retained for whatever their, whatever that retention policy of that particular end user is. Uh, we'll keep the data for that long. But again, it's, it's constantly recording. So if you have something, uh, that occurred two weeks ago, and somebody just came back, found that they left their car at a parking lot, found that it was broken into, and they know what happened sometime within the past 24 or 48 hours, two weeks, whatever that time frame is, uh, we can go back and begin to investigate what happened in that area and look at all of the data that the machine gathered during that time period. So I mentioned that the limitations and possibilities for both the indoor and outdoor robots. So for the outdoor ones, for example, what kind of terrains are they able to to canvas and what type of, I guess, um, walking, quote unquote, mechanism does it have to be able to to get around to different places? So Nightscope currently has three different versions that have been commercialized and already are out in 15 states across four different time zones in the U.S., uh, the first one is a K1, which is a stationary robot. Think of this uh, for areas where you have uh, points of ingress, mm -hmm. egress, or maybe you have a smaller geographical area to, to monitor. Uh, that's a really good robot for that. Uh, the K3 is an indoor version. So this is going to be for 
warehouses, large shopping centers, places where you have some pretty open spaces, but you still need to get the, the machine around to look at different places and have eyes on different areas. Uh, and then finally, the K5 is an outdoor robot, and it's intended for use in parking lots, corporate campuses, and it's terrain that it's capable of going around. Uh, think of it like ADA compliant. So anywhere you can take a wheelchair, you can take this robot. Um, we have a future version that's going to be more off-road, uh, but that's uh, that's quite a ways away. It's, uh, it's certainly not going to hit before 2019, but uh, that's, that's going to be intended for uh, more rugged terrain. So your uh, fence lines, airport fencing, perimeter fencing, infrastructure, solar farms, wind farms, nuclear power plants, and the like. Wow. And I see the latest then of those robots that uh, they speak. They do. Uh, we So the robots have two-way communication capabilities. Uh, they do have numerous pre-recorded messages on board. You can use them as a public address system. So somebody sitting in a security operations center can turn one or multiple robots on and speak through them. If you have an emergent situation, let's say an evacuation, you're trying to get people out of the area or give them specific instructions on where to go, you can use the robots to do that. Uh, but then the latest feature is a concierge feature. That is the ability to actually carry on a conversation with a robot, similar to Alexa or Siri. Uh, you can go up, talk to the robot. Again, let's use a a building, for example. Hey, I have a, a meeting uh, in Building C. Can you direct me to Building C? Uh, if you're in a shopping center, hey, can you tell me where where the food court is? And the robot can tell you that. Well, what do you do? I'm a security robot, you know, and, and the robot can an answer questions about itself or its environment. Could one possible use be for receptionists? So especially in an office building uh, where you have to have that, that constant coverage, um, even to the point where if, if, you know, the receptionist has to use their restroom, I mean, they've got to have someone man that, that desk for them. Uh, what are some of the uses then for the robots in a, an office building setting? Uh, your primary use is going to be in keeping an eye on parking structures, parking lots, and perimeters. Uh, in, in the indoor environment, yes, you could potentially utilize it for a reception-type feature, but you're getting into a territory where uh, the use case may be broader than what the robot is currently capable of, but that is most definitely something we're continuing to look at and evolve, uh, and that's part of the reasons why we don't offer to sell these particular robots. Nightscope has a, what we call a machine-as-a-service contract, which is essentially a subscription. And that allows us to maintain ownership of the robot, but any feature upgrades, software upgrades, firmware upgrades, all of that is included as part of the service. So any of those new things that come up that with incredibly talented team of engineers uh, kind of come up with, our customers who sign up today are able to take advantage of that six months, 12 months, or two years from now. Well, that is a great thing to know because often, you know, once something rolls off the assembly line, it's needing updates constantly. And so being able to have that, is that a process where you have to bring the bot physically in or are those updates able to update wirelessly? No, this is this is a the, the client and the end user is hands off to just about everything. Uh, we include the service, the maintenance and all the upgrades that I just spoke of. Uh, and that's all part of it. And the vast majority of that can take place remotely over the air because the robots communicate either by Wi-Fi or cellular. 
And so we can uh, easily apply those updates over the air. Similar to how you receive updates to your, uh, your infotainment system and your vehicle, same, same principle. So from, um, from various building managers or, or various clients that you have, what are some of the uses that they are asking for most? Uh, the number one use case is parking and parking structures. That, that is an area where uh, security oftentimes is lacking because, it, I mean, if you think about it for a minute, it makes perfect sense. Where the people are is where they want to see the security guards. And the, it, it provides that level of security and safety, but their vehicles, you know, arguably the second most uh, expensive asset that they own, is sitting out in the parking lot, mostly unattended, perhaps attended by some closed-circuit television cameras. But that's an area where a great number of crimes take place because where are the bad guys out wandering around? They're outside. Uh, so that's the number one use case. Uh, shopping centers, really number two use case. Uh, and we're in multiple different shopping centers across the U.S. And that vertical is growing tremendously. Uh, hospitals. Uh, hospitals are using these. Again, the nurses have become our biggest advocates because uh, they have nurses are typically and hospital staff are typically uh, in remote parking areas. And if you think of an emergency room, that's not the most ideal kind of work environment to be in. And you, you will have lots of people, you know, people who've been shot, stabbed, beaten, uh, and so forth. And it's a, a fairly volatile environment. Well, when those people get off at 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, they have to walk to the remote parking garage to go to their cars and they feel unsafe. Uh, and that has actually been one of the use cases where they say this robot is awesome because it makes them, it gives them that sense of safety that they did not have before. Uh, so that force multiplier again comes into play here. Certainly, there's um, a certain psychology to to having this robot present. I mean, obviously, it can't be everywhere at the same time. It's got to walk and roam just the way that a human would. But it, it's got, I guess, better capability to be able to get to uh, to be able to secure a, a place or especially just back to the psychology of it, just seeing that there is somebody or a robot with this camera capability, there certainly is kind of a, a sense of, okay, somebody's watching out, like, they care about their safety for you know anybody that's working in the building. What's some feedback that you've gotten from, I guess, from the end user, or maybe the, the, the customer? Uh, so I, mean, I mentioned the, the nurses a second ago, and that was very deliberate, because uh, we had an instance where we had a preventative maintenance. So once a month, the, the maintenance team comes out and just does basic stuff, cleaning the lenses and polishing the robot, stuff like that. And the maintenance guy came out, was taking care of the robot, and a group of nurses approached him, and they, and they, they have a name for that specific robot. And they said, what are you doing to Rodney? And he said, I, I'm the maintenance guy. I'm just doing the preventive maintenance. You're not taking him any, anywhere, are you? <laughs> he said, no, no, no. I'll be done here in a few minutes. Okay, good. Because he's our friend and we like him and we don't want him going anywhere. And that was hilarious to us. Yeah. It was just that, that sense of ownership that they took of him. And, and again, when I say him, that's, you know, making it personal like that is, is just incredible. Uh, we've done some informal surveys in the shopping centers, and you know we thought we'd probably get a little bit of, of pushback on on different things. And we found the overwhelmingly 
positive feedback. And again, I refer back to the social media and being able to go out and look at the, the robot selfies out there as a thing. It's, it's been overwhelmingly positive. And I think that really largely speaks to one, the, the capabilities of the robot, two, the design plays into that because, you know, we talked about it being a friendly robot. If we had made these matte black with red eyes and uh, red flashing lights and, and a tracked propulsion system, I think psychologically it would have a much greater and, and more, more detrimental impact uh, to people than, than the, what, the way that we chose to do it. Uh, so, yeah, that design comes into play, and, and I think it has helped us out incredibly in the, in the public scenario. And we knew that going in. These are going to be very, very public robots, and they get some awesome attention. Well, you hit it right on the nose. Is that just the appearance of it? So instead of having this ominous looking robot with red eyes looking at you, it's it's got just a, a, a friendly face and it invites people to personify it. So like you said, the nurses that, that named it Rodney. What's the most surprising thing that you have learned in this whole process, working with Nightscope and seeing the different uses? I guess, what surprises you most about it? Um, so in the very beginning, uh, we knew what we were after. We were after a piece of technology that was going to help reduce crime. And we all sat around and we envisioned that in the course of the next five to 10 years, we may be able to look back and go, okay, anywhere where we have deployed a robot, we were able to reduce crime by 50%. So taking a, a litmus test and a measurement of what crime was before we arrived and then do, measuring it again after we've been there for a period of time. I didn't imagine that in the first couple of years, we would have clients raving about the technology. And most recently, you know, within the past couple of months, one of the largest logistics suppliers in the country, XPO Logistics, put a press release out on their own saying that in the first six months of use of, of the robots, of Nightscope's uh, technology, they have completely eliminated crime on their campus and they saved $125,000 doing so. Oh, wow. That blew my mind. And it blew my mind because they were so unbelievably excited about it and they're expanding the program. So that, I think, is the, is the most surprising and certainly, obviously, the most uh, appealing thing to us, that we're actually accomplishing what we set out to do. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for joining me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thanks to you listeners for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries. Subscribe to articles, podcasts, and creative video. Until next time, I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk.